0: And those headlines that are reporting on it are reporting and thinking about investors and Wall Street and all of this. And I get all that. But the average homeowner is like today, there's someone out there that's having another child and says, I need another bedroom. And yes, they may be concerned with with the rates, but they always are. It's, can I afford the down payment? Can I afford the monthly payment? And maybe with the rates, they might have to go into a little less square footage. You have to adjust those things. But that's what a good agent and a good lender help you work through.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 336 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. This week, we are going to be talking to Nick Bailey, CEO and president of Remax LLC. I'm thrilled to be chatting with Nick. We're going to find out a little bit about Nick's background. Of course, we're going to talk about Remax and the brand, and we're going to talk about the market today, what's going on, and find out what an agent needs to do to not only survive but thrive as we move forward. Let's get this thing started, Nick. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bill. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's been a few years, but we had Adam Kantos on, and I think it was it was a lot of fun. And and looking at your history and your background, this this is quite different. So li- this will be a lot of fun as well. Um, I'm going to start with that you're my first guest in seven years of doing this podcast to be from the the great old state of Wyoming.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Yellowstone Park is the best. And I mean, out of all things, I mean, I'm red hair and blue eyed, which makes me less than one and a half percent of the population.
1: And you pick Wyoming. So So you got Yellowstone in the upper left hand corner. I know that. And I know it's really close to to Colorado, right? But what else am I missing about Wyoming? Tell me a little bit about about growing up.
0: Well, my birth certificate uh, says Wyoming, but I only lived there for about 90 days before going to Montana, coming to Denver. And then I went back to Wyoming for um, high school and college at Montana State. So when I say I'm from a Wyoming, people think that I just grew up there my whole life. Most of my time has actually been spent in Colorado, but I did do two separate stints um, okay. in Wyoming. Uh, great place. I uh, loved it. Met my wife there. We started dating in eighth grade. Uh, so best, best part to, to, to relocate, um, but just not enough people for me.
1: So so you're in the Denver area then most of your life. I'm just can I just assume it's Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche it, all that good. It stuff? It
0: absolutely is and uh, it was during my tenure in Wyoming and Montana as well.
1: Yeah, congrats, uh, congratulations on the Avalanche win. Uh, you know I'm in Tampa, so we had a couple of Stanley Cups of the Lightning It was super exciting and uh, I'm sure it was a lot of
0: fun. Well, I was in Canada last week and I tell you I was not very popular. so thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I was going to say, those, those U.S. teams that win just don't sit well with our yeah, – Yeah,
0: and I kind of made a club. joke on stage. That didn't go over very well either, Ooh. but fits my personality, Ooh. so it's okay.
1: Okay, good. I like it. Uh, so you said you attended, you attended Montana State, uh, and I would think but, – but there's this – something I, I discovered looking at your bio and some of your history that even before you attended college, you'd already bought your first property. Does this does this mean that you you were going to be a, a, in real estate? This was going to be your calling, or did it just mean you were going to be an investor?
0: No, I I think it was real estate for me early on, and and this can literally go back to when I was ten years old. We lived in an area here in Colorado, actually, and there were a lot of new houses being built. So I would self tour. It started as like my my love of architecture, and uh, in fact, I got really good at the little combo super lock boxes, and I would self tour and. Uh, I shouldn't be admitting my guilt. Hopefully the statute of limitations is out. I didn't cause any damage, but uh, yeah, I I loved it. What I found is over the years that I went from kind of still the love of architecture, which I still have today, um, into this is a people business not necessarily an architectural business. And so that's when it became really interesting. But yeah, I had a a chance. I was running my own businesses when I was young and uh, even before I got licensed in real estate. So I bought two commercial buildings in the small area in Wyoming where I was living Uh, when I was a junior in high school. And that was like my forte. I thought, this is pretty cool. I'm renting one and running a business out of the other, but the other one's paying for it. And then I bought my first house when I graduated high school when I was 18, just about two blocks from um, the college campus. And so that truly was my forte into real estate before I even knew it.
1: That's way early to be starting at that level. There's a lot of people that do things in high school, but not own property and rent it out.
0: Yeah. And then I got, well, then when I got licensed at 21, I had some advice. Uh, Well, it was number one, it's my real estate instructor. He said, number one, it's realtor, not realtor. And number two is uh, you'll never get rich off only commissions. If you buy a piece of property for every year you're licensed, you'll uh, start to amass and gain wealth. And so my first five years I was licensed by the end of that five, I had five properties. And so, um, so that started kind of, yeah, the real estate piece, but I've been licensed... Now for twenty six years.
1: Is there somewhere in your history owning a restaurant?
0: No, but I worked in a restaurant for nine years, um, <laughs> okay. a, a high end steakhouse, and I worked from time I was fourteen back of the house. You know the whole dishes prep, cooking, to um, floor manager, to bartending, to waiting tables. I did that for nine years, even at the same time I was doing everything else and going to college and running a real estate business and.
1: And I think
0: everyone should have to work in the restaurant business to understand service.
1: I was going to say um, the the number one past gig that I've, of the 330 guests I've interviewed, number one by far, it's either a bartender or server. You you have to understand how to talk to people and how to take care of them, how how to do all those great things that realtors do as well, right? That's
0: that is absolutely correct. So um, I have that in common. You nailed it.
1: So w- your first brokerage, was it a local brokerage up there? I would imagine it's probably not a national franchise.
0: It was uh, Century 21 Sunlight Agency. And, nice. Uh, they were number one in the market. And in fact, I tell the story all the time. That's really when I became a brand fan. Uh, I got licensed. And of course, the office that was growing in the area, and I knew the lady I went in, and she said, a part-time kid will never be successful in this business. I, I went down the street to the the C21 office. I was there for only about three and a half months because the company was selling and I didn't know it when I was going in, but the number one broker in the area, she asked me, um, because we had businesses, my parents had businesses. So, you know, we grew up kind of self-employed and working hard. And, and she said, do you want to start a new brokerage with me? And I said, sure. So the two of us left. So I'm jumping into a brokerage with her 90 days into being licensed at 21. And, uh, we turned it into something pretty special. That's when I became a brand fan, walked out of... She had been with uh, C21 for 10 years. We opened a company unaffiliated with brand, and we spent all of our time working on everything but what we wanted to, which was helping people buy and sell real estate. We were designing folders and listing materials and business cards and you know websites. I was loading literally the properties into the website myself personally, building our website. And so we actually affiliated with a different national brand within 12 months of us starting that company. And it was from that moment forward that I realized the power of a brand for instant credibility. I was 21 when I went into a listing, no one trusted me, but man, when I had professional uh, marketing materials and how to stage your home and agreements and contracts, everything looked super professional. And it made me more professional than honestly, I actually was because I was new to the business and pretty young. And I realized the power of the brand. And so that, to this day, was just a stair step of how I got here.
1: I was going to say, when you talk about brand, you ended up at the right place, uh, <laughs> I think most would say. Is that, would you, is that a fair statement?
0: Yeah, I think so. And uh, very proud of my affiliation with REMAX over the years. People ask why I came back, and I know I'm fast forwarding, but it really came back to quality of the REMAX agent. Uh, there's low barriers of entry in this business. Anyone can get a license, but really high barriers to success. And so I do admire the Remax brand and the foundation that David Gellinger started nearly like 50 years ago. Of uh, it really catering to to a full time
1: top producer, um, I like that. Can you give me that 30 second elevator pitch of your experience? Because it'll take me forever to go through it all. But I think you <laughs> probably got it. Down. I could know <laughs> there was
0: a 30 second. Um, uh, whatever you got. No, I, you know, I, I, I certainly never imagined my career would take all of the twists and turns, but started, got licensed, opened the office. We covered that. I then relocated, came back to Denver, started REMAX headquarters at 26 years old, worked in regional operations as a franchise consultant, regional director, vice president uh, for about 11 and a half years. Left REMAX, went to Market Leader, uh, which is a SaaS-based IDX website lead generation CRM platform and sharper agent. And shortly after arriving there within about a year, Trulia uh, announced that it was acquiring Market Leader. And of course, that started a whole lot of new things uh, being on the portal side of it. And so I was an executive with both of those companies and led industry. And of course, we know how the story went. And Zillow uh, acquired Trulia, which included Market Leader. So I became an exec for Zillow Group for about five years. Uh, Really fun opportunity to live on the tech. Um, And the consumer piece of it, then you throw in the portal experience and the rift between the industry and portals and being right at the center of it. And I was the translator um, between the two. So it was very helpful in what I do today. And then um, got uh, recruited to be president and um, CEO of Century 21 worldwide. And that wasn't on my radar. And uh, so that was some soul searching and was going to relocate to the East Coast. Ended up just going back and forth. I stayed in Denver. Most people thought I moved, but I stayed here and realized I have two boys, my wife, and and uh, we just decided Colorado was home. And so mm-hmm. um, spent a couple of years there. And then uh, ironically, the phone rang and um, Adam Contos and Dave Lonear said, let's have lunch. Would you consider coming back? And that's been over three years ago.
1: Wow. Yeah, I think I think it's um, that, that family tie, right? It can be so strong and there's nothing probably more different from Denver, Colorado than New Jersey. I'm just guessing.
0: (laughs) It is very different, but there was one thing in common, uh, which was, it was real estate. And no matter where I've gone, and I've been to every brand when I worked for the portals and market leader, been to all their conferences. And there is one common thread that no matter where you go, uh, people that have, are passionate about real estate, you have a connection with.
1: You are not afraid of video and i think it's awesome to see leaders embrace video because it's talked about it's been look it's been the year of video in real estate for about 12 years now i think <laughs> <laughs> right and, and still
0: we don't have, so. have mass adoption
1: and still we don't have mass adoption so it's great that you have that series keeping it real with nick bailey and i think it's first of all it's a great resource for anybody in the industry you really talk about some topical you know what's happening right now in the business um, talk about this. Why Why did you start that? Was it something you had done before? Or was it this kind of a first time for you?
0: So yeah, before keeping it real, that was our update. We had um, a, a series called Good Morning Remax. And it was kind of all designed around, it was, I mean, it was real estate, but the whole design and some humor behind it, because I love good humor. And I, I'm, I'm kind of a like to think of myself as a humorous slapstick guy anyway. Uh, but it was designed around The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. And we did it live at our conference as the morning super session. And, you know, we had the desk and the music and I did the pre-video and the walk by the fountain. It was so much fun. Well, the start of the pandemic, we realized very quickly, by the way, communication was going to be key. It always is in a big network like ours. Uh, So went out and negotiated uh, complimentary Zoom accounts for every REMAX agent around the world. So in uh, over 110 countries, uh, at the time, over 135,000 people, now 144,000. And I decided that we needed to be the leader. And so I immediately went on and we started the 30 minute, 35 minute virtual Good Morning Remax that was a live production just a couple of months before. And we did that every month and had some wonderful guests and uh, had Dr. Ben Carson on at the time and, you know, talking about housing. And so we had some really uh, good names, but we play games, too. They're fun. If people want to look them up, they're out there. Uh, I had a co-host, one of my colleagues, Pam Harris, that uh, runs all of our events and experience and education at REMAX headquarters. And we would play games and just have fun and bring awareness. And we didn't realize how much it was bringing people in to staying connected with the business because people were at home, they were alone, they were, you know, somebody, so many afraid. And we just said, hey, let's have a few laughs and maybe educate ourselves along the way. And so as that progressed throughout the year, then earlier uh, last year, then we changed the, the series to keeping it real, which is a little more brand agnostic, if you will. We've had competitors on, we've had all kinds of guests and topics. It's, it's, a, it's designed for the hottest topics in real estate and get varying opinions. It's fun to get people pitted against each other a little bit. Still super friendly, uh, but it's just a way that I've been able to use um, a talent of mine, which is public speaking and something that I enjoy to really carry the message around the network.
1: I have to ask, did, did you do thank you notes as part of the Jimmy Fallon tape? I absolutely did. I,
0: I did them. And I when I did them live, uh, they were absolutely terrific. And my favorite one was, um, thank you. Like to the real estate business card that still shows my picture from high school and it showed this one. It, it was great. But anyway, you have to look them up. It was super fun, but we, we did almost every game and segment that you could within the segments that you could come up with.
1: Nick, I, I have you on the show. I have to ask you about the market. We're sitting here, uh, on actually recording on Halloween. So I hope it's not a spooky, uh, story about the market, but you know, and let's even talk about the last couple of years, because I still have not found a person who knew in March of 2020 what was going to be happening in June and July of 2020. Well,
0: you should have had, me on, you should have had me on two years ago because we predicted it pretty darn close. Uh, well,
1: let's hear about and, that and then let's kind of continue what's happening today. Yeah, well,
0: and including the fall. And, you know, part of this is uh, generational. But here's the headline that I tell everyone. Take a deep breath, because the, the, the macro is this. No matter what all these numbers uh, say and we talk about that are going on, here's in my three decades in this business something that I know 100% will happen in the next year. People will buy and sell homes. And so whether interest rates go up, down, inflation up, down, recession or not, houses are bought and sold every year. Um, life events happen. People get married. They have kids. They move on. And what's interesting is we get, we're too close to the business. And those headlines that are reporting on it are reporting and thinking about investors and Wall Street and all of this. I get all that. But the average homeowner is like today, there's someone out there that's having another child and says, I need another bedroom. And yes, they may be concerned with with the rates, but they always are. It's, can I afford the down payment? Can I afford the monthly payment? And maybe with the rates, they might have to go into a little less square footage. You have to adjust those things. But that's what a good agent and a good lender help you work through. And uh, so I think it's just short-sighted to that. We're only doing year-over-year comparisons to one of the most unique anomaly years in the history of our business. And so if we almost erase the last two years, which you can't, but you go back in the past 10-year history, there's a lot more similar this year uh, than people think on the success of the industry. So are are sales going to come down? Sure. Uh, Will there be uh, price appreciation, sure, in some spots. Will it be double-digit? Doubt it. Um, but uh, there are still going to be people, be people who want to buy and sell. So that's not the question. The question is going to be which agents are the ones out there that help? Because unfortunately, when you see changes in markets and they are rapid, you see agents um, flee from our business. And statistically, 87% of agents that get a license don't have it five years later. And so the failure rate is extremely high. And what you find is those that have the most experience, do the most transactions, have been in the business the longest, uh, they know how to adjust. They know how to adjust. But I, I truly think that this business right now, in a matter of a quarter, is brand new for some people that thought they did pretty well the last couple of years.
1: We saw it happen, we'll call it, during the dark days, 2006, 7, 8, right? The, the agents that knew what they were doing, quickly adopted, became experts at the things that people needed, whether that was a short sale or, or whatever that was. I think the same thing is going to happen here. It's just not at that level, obviously, right? But agents who know what they're doing are the people that should be helping people buy and sell.
0: They will. And, you know, the crystal ball, none of us have one, but we like to forecast the best that we can because... You know, look, our brand's been around for nearly 50 years. We've been through seven recessions. This could be the eighth, we'll see. And uh, so w- we're not afraid of any of the markets ahead. The one thing we know that's consistent is sometimes we have a seller's market, sometimes a buyer's, sometimes it's rebalancing like it is now. And real estate didn't lead us in this time. But knowing that it's generally housing is 15 to 17, 18% of GDP. Wouldn't surprise me if sometime in 23, we might see rates get even uh, get more aggressive and come down a little bit because we might need housing to um, help pull the economy out of some things overall. So we'll see. I don't think it'll be overly dramatic, uh, but it sure wouldn't surprise me that we see these rates pop
1: around. It's watching that pendulum swing, right? <laughs> it's kind of what you've done for a long time. Let's talk about the transactions per agent for REMAX. It is... Um, there. it's a it's an Im- very impressive number. I'm just curious for you, who you look at numbers, I'm just guessing, on a daily basis. How high on the list of metrics that you track is that that, that transaction?
0: One of the on. top. I was reviewing it this morning yeah. and looked at a uh, over the last 10 years um, where we've been on that. And so, yeah, it's something we're very proud of, uh, that the average REMAX agent does two to one, the next closest competitor in a large brokerage. And it's, it's meaningful uh, because it's, we sell a lot of houses and I just personally think in the last 10, 12 years, I mean, as of a couple months ago, we had 125 consecutive months of increase in pricing, not sustainable. Um, You have to have a rebalance, but at some point though. Um, all of t- tons of new agents have flooded in tons of new companies. We were at 80,000 brokerages. I think we're at 105,000 brokerages. There's just a lot of new people in the business, which is not a bad thing. Uh, it certainly makes it more competitive, but I do believe for long-term sustainability, I, I think you have to sell a lot of houses and that's what we do. Well, uh, people don't get a real estate l- license to say, gosh, you know, I hope I can get stock or a downline or some flash flashing light. that will make me money and I'll have to do everything but help a buyer or seller. I think when you go and get your real estate license, the idea is you want to sell real estate. You want to help people buy and sell homes. And that's what we do well. And we do a lot of it. And we keep that focus at our forefront. I think there's room for everybody. There's room for all kinds of different economics and models and everything that you hear about. But we just stick to our core, which is we are based on being in the real estate agent business and helping them with the tools and services they need to sell as much real estate
1: as they want. Let's talk about the tools a little bit, right? Um, REMAX recently underwent, a, I'll call it a major change in your tech stack, right? Yes. Um, can, can you share your position on the, on the importance of what those tech solutions bring to agents of the large franchises?
0: Well, first of all, uh, tech is wonderful that we talk about a lot in our industry. Here's my headline on this one. I don't believe the technology will replace a real estate agent, but I do believe an agent that doesn't adopt tech will get replaced. And the reason why is uh, the ultimate disruptor in any business is the consumer. Not us, not any other new startup. It's consumers want to be met where they want to be met. You have to meet them where they want to be met. And a lot of that is uh, through tech. I laugh a few years ago when transaction management was gaining popularity and I would hear agents say, I am not using these platforms. My data is gonna go to the devil um, and aliens in space. But what they realized is that the average buyer and seller wants to flip their iPhone sideways or their Android and sign their name. And so if you don't meet the customers where they wanna be met through tech, you're gonna get left behind. Another example is you talk about video a lot. Uh, Look at Zoom. The technology wasn't new pre-pandemic. It's just the fact that 99% of agents had never used it. And so for those of us that had used it in working in remote jobs and tech companies, we were very comfortable. Yeah, we don't look, no one likes how they look or sound on camera, Uh, but you figure out real quick, you're gonna connect with someone. And the reality is, do you know how you look and sound on camera? Exactly like you do in person. So get over it, connect with people, And that's where technology comes into play. So yeah, we made a big announcement with Max Tech and and our uh, partnership with Inside Real Estate because we've done a number of acquisitions over the last four years. And so we're taking the best out of those acquisitions that have worked really, really well. And then the things that are more challenging that we've struggled with. And the reality is we had to look in the mirror and say, uh, we made some nice acquisitions and tech's important within this business, but we're not a software company. And the only thing moving faster than the changes of this market is tech. And so uh, we're very proud of the fact that we made this decision earlier this year in thinking that agents, we shouldn't even focus on tech that agents just need in this market, but what are they gonna need two or three or four years from now? And we have to make sure that we've positioned ourselves as a large company uh, in a space to where we can be nimble and move quick, but we have to be prepared for what's ahead three years and four years from now. And so we looked through that lens and said on some of the tech, we're not going to be able to keep up four years from now with the velocity of what those changes are. And so let's uh, take the philosophy of buy, build, partner and figure out which ones we should have where.
1: Are some of those future techs, things like AI, you know, <laughs> neural, NLP, uh, machine learning, that stuff is going to be nuts in five years. Well, it?
0: it's already nuts. And AI is one of them that's my personal favorite. We acquired a company called First three years ago. And it's essentially uh, super easy tech. Uh, um, the behind the scenes is kind of crazy and Big Brother-esque. But essentially, you're installing this app. You're loading every contact. You can have just a cell phone number and email address. And on average, it takes around 700 plus data points on every homeowner uh, in the country. And it matches anyone that you know, anyone that you have their cell number to or an email address. And it takes it through that algorithm and serves up and says, good morning, Bill, here on a star rating, here may be the five people most likely that you should call that are gonna list their house in the next three to six months. Because there is behavior that's being monitored in everything that we do in life. And some people find it scary, But the reality is, uh, you know, we do about 5 million transactions as an industry, give or take, depending on the year. Um, But leads have gone from a couple million in the last decade to over 200 million. I am not convinced that agents just need more leads. I'm convinced they need more transaction-ready consumers, more transaction-ready buyers and sellers. Translation, I need the fancy tech and the AI when I wake up in the morning to say, don't send out 10,000 postcards. Print's still good, don't get me wrong. But make sure, shouldn't you know the top 25 that you should maybe do a pot buy, drop off a gift and send the postcard because they're most likely to list their house. And that's where I think in the next three years, three, four years, people are going to be absolutely amazed about how AI and machine learning is going to deliver to people who is a transaction ready buyer or seller, not just another lead.
1: Let's continue the brand conversation just a kind of a, a, a step further, and that is if I ever hear the words Children's Miracle Network, I instantly think of Remax. That's a great thing for Remax, and it's not why you do it. You do it because you're, take, you're helping uh, a wonderful organization that needs all the help they can get, um, but it must be for you satisfying to see that it's, it's so embraced by – like every brokerage I've ever dealt with in my you – know, I was in the title space for 20 years – a lot of them, they're all doing something for that charity.
0: Well, that's probably the uh, best thing that I've heard you say so far here today, because I absolutely love it. And the fact that the network has been so generous Um the, the Remax brand has raised nearly two hundred million dollars for Children's Miracle Network Hospitals mm-hmm. over a 30. We just last year celebrated a 30 year relationship. Uh, we had Marie Osmond. She's, uh, as many people know, one of the co-founders of Children's Miracle Network Hospitals and uh, had her, she was there to announce the partnership. She was there to celebrate the anniversary. Um, but what's neat about it is any of the money raised in the local area goes to the local children's hospital. So even though it's a, a big organization, you know that when you're donating, you're helping You're helping the kiddos that are down the block or maybe ringing your bell saying trick or treat tonight. And so nothing is better. Um, and certainly people have a lot of philanthropic really good things that people get involved in. We just, as a large organization, felt we we needed to partner with one 30 years ago that could sus- sustain building um, as we built and something that would most likely touch the vast majority of people. Uh, usually people, if they have a, a, a parent or a sibling or a relative that maybe has a health issue, they get really passionate about something. And we wanted to find a partnership that could really go past those individual passions. Um, But, and it's also great too. It's, you're right, it's about giving back, but it's also, um, it's good for marketing too. And it helps more business and it helps more donations. When you drive by a Remax sign and it says, this is a miracle home, and you get to tell the seller, hey, I'll list your home and make it a miracle home, which means I'm committed to giving part of my commission um, back to the community in your name. And so that's pretty neat that you can do it on behalf of your clients. And so it's, it's for multiple reasons. It's a wonderful partnership.
1: Yeah. But continued success there with, with uh, those numbers. That's super impressive. I'm getting towards the end here. I I know you you're tight on time, but it's, it's really, it's a known fact that every CEO of every real estate franchise in the, in the world has a hidden crystal ball somewhere in your office. It's in the
0: drawer behind me.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, so what does yours show for the next five years?
0: Well, I think that in the near term, it's going to show agents really have to focus on education and making sure they understand what the market is immediately. But uh, that crystal ball for me also shows in the next few years, we'll likely see the number of agents in the country go down. We'll see the number of brokerages go down. Uh, I think that there are a lot of agents, unfortunately, that have been renting their business in the last couple of years instead of owning it. And so it's going to be a little bit of a reality check in, say, the next 12 months or, or, or near term. But when I look in this crystal ball for the next uh, three, four five years, here's where I truly get excited about it. We have an incredible amount of demand for housing and real estate needs ahead of us. And this is driven by population. And so I study these numbers. And I'm a big statistic guy. You'll hear what if I speak on stage. I always have a stat here and there. I've thrown out a couple today. Um, but when you look at you had the boomers biggest generation in the history of our country. You had Xers, which I'm part of, um, which were, you know, much smaller, much, much smaller than boomers. And in reality, you had about an eight year period of time that household formation wasn't going to be at the level. Now here come millennials, which, by the way, buckle your seatbelt. Bill, millennials are 25 to 42 years old. And so when I hear people talk about all these young millennials, I'm like, hey, I'm in my 40s too, and those those folks are creeping up in my back door. Uh, but they're a huge population, bigger than the boomers, and then you've got Z behind them, which are just as large. And so, in an estimation of about four million homes that were short in the country, and yet we have uh, the the millennial population, which is at their prime of household formation and having children and and yet, Z's right behind them that are just now, you know, at up to 24 years old getting into the real estate market. Uh, we have really good demand for the next three to five years in our business. And so, like I said at the top, houses are going to be bought and sold every year, and rates are going to go up and down and move and recessions and all of those different things. But if we have an eye on the long term, which is people are going to buy and sell houses and need someone super professional and knowledgeable to help them. Those people have a good career ahead of them in the next five years.
1: Yeah. Nick, this has been great. I'm going to wrap it up here with the same final question I've asked every guest. The first guest, by the way, was Jay Thompson. I think you know Jay. I probably. do know Jay. Yeah. <laughs> his, yeah. His, I'll give you his answer. It was pick up the damn phone. It was one sentence. That's all he said. Pick up the damn phone. I was going to say he
0: probably cussed in there somewhere knowing <laughs> Jay.
1: So that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> it's perfect. But what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started?
0: Surround yourself by great people in this business. Uh, it's certainly what I did, and not intentionally, but I think I got a little bit lucky. And uh, I have a passion for this business, and obviously, I told you my path has gone up, down, left, right, uh, all over the place, which has been which has been super neat. But it certainly wasn't done with without surrounding myself by a lot of good people, got a lot of good leaders that have a lot of good. Um, knowledge in this business. Um, So that's number one. And you always say one thing. Let me add a short-term one if I can, though, which is I think any successful agent in any market, especially when you're new, you need to know where the friction point of the business is and focus on getting really good at it today. So an example of that, what was the major friction point last year uh, or the last two years? It was buyers competing against each other, right? And when I use the word friction... It's what is the most competitive? Where does that sandpaper hit each other? And you had to be really good at navigating that whole scenario, whether you were writing an offer, or representing a seller. That was the huge friction point, which buyer was going to get the house. I think in this market and going forward in the next, especially six to nine months, most people ask, what's the friction point? And they say, well, it's going to be sellers. And I say, let's refine it. I think it's going to be listings. And coming off of the last couple of years with a lot of new agents, listings are now starting to compete against each other. And so how you set expectations with pricing with seller, how you price the property, how you do price corrections, how you stage it, how you market it. Um, And I have an undocumented stat, undocumented, mind you, but I think it's pretty darn close. I heard something a few weeks ago that it's maybe 91% of all agents in the country have never sold real estate when rates have been over 4% and days on market, 45 days plus. Oh,
1: that is staggering.
0: Now, staggering, (laughs) undocumented. So I don't know if you quote me on it, but if you just look at some of the raw numbers and data out there, it's probably not far off. And so if anyone, when I started, my average days on market were about seven months uh, in, in the business. And so anyone that's had to hang on to a property for four, five, six months and market it, know that it's very different than four or five hours. And so that major friction point is get really good at where the listings competing against each other sit. Uh, and that's going to carry people through over the next few months.
1: Nick, this has been great. If, if if someone wants to reach out to you, is there a way they can do that that you're, you're okay with?
0: Absolutely, anytime. Nick at Remax.com. It's the easiest way that gets to me. Um, or social media, I'm all over. Uh, follow me on TikTok, um, you know, I'm involved in all of them. I'm pretty easy to find.
1: TikTok and Instagram. Yeah, Nick, you've got a lot going on in both those places. Very cool. Um, the other the other thing I just wanted to point out and just thank you for is um, you have a wonderful team there. You know, Rate My Agent is where I'm at now and we have a, a preferred partnership agreement. So your team, they've been amazing and it's just been wonderful. And the final shout out is to Florin at uh, Remax Premier Realty and Wesley Chapel, the <laughs> Tampa Bay area, who hooked us up and connected and helped us out to to get this.
0: Lauren is a great, great guy, great friend of mine. And I got to meet him uh, when I was at Remix the first time in 2007. Uh, I became the regional VP of the Florida region. And so I had an amazing uh, relationship with the guy and friendship for, I guess, about 15 years. And so
1: I would echo, I would echo what you mentioned. He's terrific. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to The Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app.